Harvest New Beginnings Church is located in Oswego, Illinois. We exist for God's glory alone, encouraging each other to have a deep love for God and a sincere love for people. This message is brought to you by Pastor Scott Poling. You ever watch one of those commercials on TV? You know, the advertisements new medicine or this pill and it's a beautiful scenery and there's this happy-go-lucky man or woman and they're just loving life and they're just enjoying life and and then there's a list of all of the benefits and blessings of this wonder drug and then at the very end of the commercial in a blistering fast voice Side effects may include dizziness, vomiting, diarrhea, shortness of breath, impaired vision, chest pain, sleeplessness, premature death, see your doctor immediately. It's like, wait a minute, I'm not so sure I want to take this thing. Is it worth it? What, what, I don't know about these side effects. Well, last week may have been a hard pill for some of you to swallow. Quite honestly, you did not like the message that I preached. It was kind of like nasty medicine. And you're sure that it has negative side effects. And quite honestly, some of you spit the message out before you left the building last week. And some of you spit the message out. You turned me off on your phone or your computer or your TV because you you just didn't honestly want to hear it. The message was on money. The message was on the importance of generous giving. And and I know, know, pastor, if I made more money or pastor, if, if we weren't in debt and pastor, if, 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 if you would only stand on his promises. That's what it comes to. If, 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 if you would only trust in your God who has never failed you ever in his word. And I know you're not the only one to struggle with giving. As a matter of fact, latest Gallup poll shows that giving is way down. As a matter of fact, only 44% gave anything to a church last year gave anything, or gave anything to a Christian ministry or organization. Christians are struggling with giving. Christians have struggled with giving in the past. New Testament church, the city of Corinth, believers were struggling with giving. And they needed some encouragement, just like many of you. You need encouragement. And last week, we learned some very sound financial advice. And, and by the way, if you're new to the church, I don't preach on giving every week or every, I, it's, I rarely ever preach on giving, okay? Understand that. But last week, we looked at four hard pills for some people to swallow. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. This was the passage, verse 6 and 7. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he's purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion. Why? For God loves a cheerful giver. And here was the first pill. Giving must be bountiful. Oh, that's hard for people. But you know what that teaches us, that passage? You can't afford not to give because of the law of the harvest. If you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. But if you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. I didn't write that. God did. It's his promise. The formula of the farmer is the formula for the giver. So says God. Here was the second pill. Giving must be personal, each one. And we looked at that poor little old widow at the temple when Jesus said, come here, guys. I want you to watch what this lady gives. And she put in two little coins that amount to a cent. 
And then he said, oh, by the way, she gave more than all the contributors, all of them, because she gave all. She didn't give her surplus. You know what that little old lady taught us? She taught us these truths. Never let poverty keep you from generosity. Never, ever let poverty keep you from generosity. Everybody can give, and everyone should give, and there's no excuse not to give. She also taught us to practice percent giving, not just amount giving. It's not about the amount. What's the percent? She also taught us to practice sacrificial giving, not just surplus giving, but to learn to sacrifice. Here's the third pill. Giving must be purposeful. We went back to Proverbs. We looked at chapter 9, which talks about honoring the Lord from the first of our wealth. So we think first of God, and we always give first to God, And then we went to chapter 16 of 1 Corinthians and we learned to set aside on the first day of the week, that's Sunday, for God. We even talked about the tithe because many people are confused. Well, Jesus never taught on the tithe. (laughs) Wrong. We went to Matthew chapter 23, Luke chapter 11. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees who tithe off of everything. And he says, yeah, do these without neglecting the others. Jesus said, keep on tithing. Don't stop tithing. And here was the fourth point, fourth pill, giving must be cheerful because attitude is everything in the eyes of God. So you don't give grudgingly and you don't give under compulsion because why? God loves a what? Cheerful giver. And for some, those are four big pills to swallow. And you think, well, they got to have negative side effects and they're going to make me choke. And listen carefully, giving generously has zero negative side effects. None. Never have, never will be negative side effects. As a matter of fact, giving generously only has benefits and only has blessings. And that's what we're going to see today as we follow the rest of this passage. So take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians 9, we're going to follow up verse 6 and 7. We're going to start at verse 8 and go through verse 15. So follow along with me. You at home, you here in person, and don't turn it off because I'm preaching on giving, okay? (laughs) Let's just listen to God's word, and let's just learn together, and let's see what God has to say. Chapter 9, verse 8. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. As it's written, he scattered abroad, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. Because of the proof given by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedience to the gospel or your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ and for the liberality of your contribution to them and to all. While they also by prayer on your behalf yearn for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Read verse 15 together with me. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So what are these benefits and what are these blessings of giving generously? Here's the first one. You will experience the superabounding grace of God in your life. I know it's long, but it's so rich. And that's the truth. That's one of the benefits and blessings. You will experience the superabounding grace of God. 
in your life. And you may say, well, I've already experienced the grace of God in my life, forgiveness of sin and salvation and his mercy and his grace, and I'm going to heaven, and this is amazing grace. Yes, God's grace, though, goes much further than the forgiveness of your sins, than his daily grace and mercy and the strength that he provides in our weakness. Do you realize God's grace extends also to your finances, He says it right here, and God is able to make all grace abound to you. That is in the context of finances and his provision for you, limitless provision. See, if you can trust God with your soul, certainly you can trust God with your money. If you have faith to trust God with this priceless soul for all of eternity, certainly we we can trust God with the wealth of this world that we're not taking with us, and it's only temporary. See, God's a grace, his grace abounds to the generous. He is able to make all grace abound to you. And it says here, he he is able, presently, not just in the past, not just in the future, but right now. And able is the same word we get our word dynamite from, power. This all-powerful creator God can certainly take care of my finances. This all-powerful creator God can certainly take care of providing physically for me. See, for some of us to not give generously is basically to declare, God, you're not able. God, you are unable to provide for me. God, you're unable to care for my needs. God, you are unable to fulfill the promises of your word. See, a lack of generous giving is a declaration of a lack of faith in your all-powerful God. That's what it is. And it's time for some of us to start living by faith. As a matter of fact, Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. And some of us have not been pleasing God because we have not been living by faith. God's grace also includes this superabounding ability to supply. I want you to just look at this list of all-encompassing, inexhaustible superlatives. 2 Corinthians 9.8. And just underline these in your Bible. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. This is God's promise to you when you give generously to him. This is not my promise. I did not write this in the Bible. I promise you that. This is God's word to you. So so let's work through these phrases. Verse 8. Always having. There'll never be a time in your life when you lack what is needed. See, I want you to understand this. God has been meeting the needs of his children for thousands and thousands of years. And you will not be the first person in the history of the world that God fails on his word. He's not going to fail you. He's not failed a single one of his children. Next phrase, all sufficiency. You go to a grocery store right now, there's some things that are not there that used to be there. There's some shelves that are empty. As a matter of fact, four things they say are the top four things that are missing from grocery stores right now. Baby formula, Cream cheese, dog and cat food, and chicken tenders. (laughs) Those are the things. And by the way, we're all good on toilet paper, people. Woohoo! How about that? Some of you still have it stockpiled in your in your house from two years ago. Oh my goodness. God never runs low. He never runs out of supplying his children ever. Look at Psalm 37. I've been young and now I'm old, yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken. Or his descendants begging bread. Why? 
Well, I'll tell you why. Well, instead, verse 26, because all day long he's gracious and he lends and his descendants are a blessing. That's the law of the harvest. Generous people will always be well-supplied people. Always. It is God's promise to you. You'll be fine. Give generously. God provides. And he provides next in everything, it says in verse 8. Everything, by the way, in the original Greek means everything. So do you believe God's word? All of his promises are yes and amen. And his promises, limitless grace. Limitless. See, you and I can't ever plumb the depths of God's grace when it comes to forgiveness. You and I are never going to go to God when we've sinned and say, Lord, will you please forgive me again? And God said, listen, I'm sorry, I'm fresh out of forgiveness today. Come back next week. No. His grace for forgiveness is always there. Do you realize his grace for provision is always there? He never runs out of grace for forgiveness. He never runs out of grace for provision. Same God, same grace. It is limitless. And then this next phrase, verse 8, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Now this is important. Note the reason God provides. Note the reason God blesses. Note the reason God gives to givers. It is not for self. This is not the prosperity gospel. This is not the health wealth gospel. That is a false gospel of greed and manipulation. And that is not what I am preaching. The prosperity gospel focuses on selfishness. That God wants you healthy and God wants you wealthy. No, God wants us to be a channel of blessing, not a reservoir of selfish hoarding. God gives to givers, why? So that they keep on giving. You may have an abundance for every good deed. See, listen very carefully. God is not interested in your financial portfolio. He's interested in your giving portfolio. He doesn't want to see what you've accumulated this past year. He wants to see what you've given this past year. He's not interested in how you beat the market. He wants to see how you've blessed others. See, it's, it's not about what you invested in GameStop or Apple or Tesla. It's what you invested in him and others and his work. That's what he wants to know. And the greatest investment you can make is not in Tesla or GameStop or real estate or Apple. The greatest investment, you ready for this tip? Hot stock tip right here. The greatest investment you can make is in generosity. That's your greatest investment you can ever make. So look for opportunities to give. Don't look for excuses not to give. Because God says, I'll just keep topping you off. I take care of givers. It's kind of like going to a restaurant. You have a good waitress or a good waiter. Man, they're, they're just always topping off your water. They're always topping off your coffee. They're always making, making sure you're filled. God says, I'm going to make sure you're filled. Please understand that. It is my promise to you so that you can keep giving and keep being a blessing. That's the first benefit and blessing of giving generously. You're, you'll experience the superabounding grace of God that never ends. It's limitless in your life. Here's the second one. Your righteousness will endure and continue to increase. There's no negative side effects to righteousness. Understand that. None. 
Verse 9, his righteousness endures forever. Verse 10, increase the harvest of your righteousness. And, and in verse 9, he quotes Psalm 112. And I want you to understand this. Psalm 112, he scattered abroad, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. This is not in reference to God. This is in reference to a man of God, a righteous man of God, a very generous man of God. See, here's the context, Psalm 112, verse 1. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. See, this is a man of God who stands on the promises of God. Verse 3, wealth and riches are in his house. Verse 9, he's given freely to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn, meaning his strength, his provision, will be exalted in honor. Again, God just blesses givers. Now, verse 9 says he scattered abroad. What is that? That's the picture of the farmer scattering seed. It's the same picture we see in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24. There's one who scatters, yet he increases all the more. There's one who withholds what is justly due, and it results only in what? Want. It breeds greed when we don't give. It's kind of like this disgusting mold is what it is that just takes over everything. It just breeds greed in our heart when we don't open up our hands. Verse 25, the generous man will be prosperous and he who waters will himself be watered. So be generous and scatter. The farmer, he scatters here. He scatters there. He scatters everywhere. Be generous with the seed. He's saying, give to different people, give to different places, scatter and give, always looking to give. That is righteousness. Righteousness gives. Unrighteousness does not give. An unrighteous man or an unrighteous woman is greedy and they withhold. A righteous man or a righteous woman scatters and gives. So the question is, are you righteous or are you unrighteous in the eyes of God? Generosity, though, doesn't make us righteous. Generosity is evidence of being righteous. Generosity is evidence of having a right standing with God. His righteousness endures forever. You lay up treasures in heaven eternity. Where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. You lay up treasures in heaven. There's reward. Eternal rewards. And we know for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I want you to understand giving actually helps you have a heart for heaven. That's what it does. Because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You're not so focused on the stuff of this world. You start to focus on the things of eternity. And by the way, it's all God's doing. Look at verse 10. I mean, it's he who supplies. It's he who multiplies. It's he who gives. And I want you to see this. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. See, God supplies the seed. He created the earth and all vegetation. And God supplies the bread. How? Well, the bread comes from the seed which God provided. Please get this right here. The very wise farmer understands this concept. He must keep planting. The supply, 
he will supply and multiply your seed for sowing. See, listen carefully. The farmer brings in the crop, but he doesn't keep all the seed for himself. That would be very, very foolish. The farmer takes some of the seed that has come in and replants it so that it keeps producing. It would be a very stupid, a very foolish farmer who, who would bring in all of this seed and then hold it back all for himself, giving nothing back out, planting nothing. What would happen to that farmer if he takes in all the seed and refuses to replant the seed? He'd go hungry and he would go broke. See, there's too many foolish farmers. There's too many foolish Christians. They have a job that brings in income and they never replant. They have a job. They've, they've started a business that brings in income and they never replant. Please understand, that's foolish. You're holding on to all of this money. You're holding on to whatever seed comes in. You're going to struggle. Some of you have been. You're going to struggle deeply. You've got to take a portion and replant it because you stop production if you try to hoard it and hold on to it and protect it all. Do not be a foolish farmer. It is the law of the harvest. God can't bless what you don't give. Please get this. And again, many Christians have struggled and you've been wondering why. Maybe it's time to do it God's way. Because your way has not been working. Maybe it's time to stand on his promises. Maybe it's time to finally trust God. And say from here on out, Lord, anything that comes in, a percent is going back to you. Maybe it's about time, Christian, to give back to God. You're holding on. You go broke. You go hungry. It's all God. He increases the harvest of, of our righteousness is what he says. You, you can't get, a, get ahead by holding back. You can't. You've got to learn to replant. You can't afford not to give. Get that. He says he'll increase the harvest of our righteousness. Again, rewards. And, and by the way, it's all possible because of God. He will supply. He will multiply. He will increase. Verse 10. But you may say, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute, Pastor Scott. I have worked hard and I've made those wise decisions. And I took that risk. And, and I made that investment on my own. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on one second. Deuteronomy 8.18. But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who has given you the power to make wealth. Oh, don't succumb to pride. Don't succumb to pride. James 1. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. He is the one who has given. He is the one that has enabled. Proverbs 12, 10, 22. It is the blessing of the Lord that makes rich. And by the way, when he blesses, he adds no sorrow to it. What does that mean? It means when money is earned honestly, God blesses that. And it doesn't come with any guilt. It doesn't come with any shame. You haven't cheated anybody. You haven't stolen. You haven't cut any corners. It was made honestly. That money earned honestly, he adds no sorrow to it. There's freedom. There's peace when you earn a living the right way. The benefits and blessings of giving generously. There's no negative side effects. 
You'll experience superabounding grace of God. Your righteousness will endure and continue to increase. Here's the third one. You will be the reason people thank God. You become the catalyst of gratitude. You become the motivation. People thank God. Look at this. It's mentioned twice. Verse 11, producing thanksgiving to God. Verse 12, overflowing with many thanksgivings to God. And, and how does he start off this section? For the third time, a promise of provision. Over and over and over again, he's saying, what are you waiting for? Give generously. Verse 8, you'll have an abundance for every good deed. Verse 10, he will supply and multiply your seed for sowing. Now, verse 11, you'll be enriched in everything for all liberality. Would you start giving to God generously? Would you start giving to God confidently? He's saying, I'm giving you my promises over and over and over again. Would you stand on my promises? R.G. Letourneau committed believer, invented all kinds of earth-moving equipment. He decided to reverse the tithe and live off 10% and give away 90%. He was convinced that he could not outgive God. Now remember, he's in the earth-moving business. This is his quote. I love it. I shovel out and God shovels it back and God has a bigger shovel. <laughs> That's your God. I want to encourage some of you to take the shovel off the shelf, to take the shovel off the wall in your garage, so to speak. Because it's time you start giving to God. And he's got a bigger shovel. You need to start shoveling. And the result of generosity and giving, gratitude to God. Giving always produces thanksgiving. Giving always produces thanksgiving. And it's thanks to God. It's not a, look at me and look what I gave. No, it's, look at God. Look what he's done. Look how he's provided Look what his grace has enabled. So look at God and give thanks. Lots of thanks. Overflowing thanks. Listen, giving not only affects people physically. When, when you give to help somebody out, it doesn't just help them physically, but it affects them spiritually. And they give thanks to God. And it's overflowing thanks is what we see here. See, uh, th this is Hoakipa Beach. It's on the island of Maui. Uh, have anybody been there, Hokipa Beach in Maui? It's beautiful. I was there many, many years ago. And it's one of the best kite surfing and one of the best surfing areas in, in the world. And it's just wave after wave after wave after unending wave. That's what giving produces. Wave after wave after wave of thanksgiving. You know when the waves stop? When you stop giving. You know when the waves stop? When you stop being generous. I want to encourage you, keep the waves going. Keep the waves moving. Surf's up, dude, okay? So give and give and give. And, and it produces for God's glory. He says in verse 13, not only thankfulness, thankfulness, but glory for your obedience. It's a similar thought to Matthew 5, 16. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. See, listen carefully. No wonder God promises over and over and over again to give to givers. Because when he gives to givers, it produces glory for himself. God is never, ever going to fail anything that produces his glory. Ever. You can rest in that fact. When God's glory is on the line, God will take care of it. God's got it, is what he says. And then he calls giving two things. He calls giving ministry 
and he calls giving service. Look at verse 12. He calls it ministry twice for the ministry of this service. And then verse 13, this ministry, proof given by this ministry. So what happens when you and I don't give? We shut down ministry. You shut down the ministry that you are having in the lives of people. And by the way, there's a lot of churches that are shutting down. There's a lot of churches that ministries have ceased. But it's more than just giving money. It's impacting lives. See, when you give to our church, you need to understand something. When you give to our church, you support 29 missionaries that we support. 29 missionaries and missions organizations, 16 international and 13 different countries. Do you realize that the largest ministry-related area in our church, the largest, is our missions area? It's the biggest one. We give basically a tithe of everything that comes into our church. We give about a tenth out to ministries. Other ministries not, not have no impact on us. Do you understand that? Why would we give 10% of everything that comes in? Because we practice God's word as a church collectively. We believe in God's promises, and God honors that. Also, when you give to our church, you give to support our staff. Do you realize we have 32 people on staff at this church? 60 spouses and children? You support a total of 92 people when you give to this church. See, we are real people with real needs. You clothe our kids. You feed our families. You put gas in our cars. You, you pay for our doctor's visits and our doctor's bills. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for caring for us. That's what your tithes and offerings do. You know what you, you say? You say, Pastor Scott, I love you. And I love your family. Pastor Scott, I love the people who serve in this church. Pastor Scott, I, I care for you. That's what you're saying. Do you understand that? That's what you're saying. You, you're, you know what you're saying? When you give to this church, this is what you're saying. You're saying, I don't take you for granted, Pastor Scott. I don't take your family for granted. I don't take the staff of this church for granted. You're saying, I understand I have a ministry and I have a responsibility to support what goes on here to the glory of God. And, and I want to challenge you on this. If you claim this is your church or this is where you come to church, whether you're online or whether you're in person, this is where you're fed spiritually, this is where you're encouraged, this is where you grow spiritually, support the work. Support the ministry, give to God and give here. And you heard me say it last week, you don't go to Culver's and then drive over and pay at McDonald's. You, you support where you're served and where you're fed. And so support this ministry. And by the way, be a giver, not a taker. Don't come into church saying, what's in it for me? And I don't like that. And that should change. And what's in it for me? No, you come and you give. You come and you serve. And you come be a part of a family. That's what we do when we come together. And so he calls it a ministry, but he also calls it service, which is interesting because it's the same word that is used for priestly service in the New Testament temple. In other words, when you give, it's not some senseless, thoughtless act. It is raised to the highest and holiest work of God, like at the temple. It's viewed when you give as priestly service unto God. And so the benefits and blessings of generosity, here's the next one. You know what you do? You prove that your faith is real, that you're genuine, that you're not fake. 
giving is a proof that you're saved. And, and yes, there's unsaved people that give. And if you're here today and you've never made a personal relationship with the Lord genuine, we encourage you not to give at this church. And I mean that because we don't want you to confuse that if I give something, I go to heaven. No. This is a time for you to receive from the Lord. Receive forgiveness. Receive his love. Receive his mercy. Receive his grace. Giving is for God's people. And they are saved. And they understand their responsibility in worship and stewardship. See, generosity is a sign of life change. You can say you care. You can say you're a Christian. You can say you're saved and going to heaven. But generosity is a sign that your faith is real. James 2, if a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm, be filled, I'll pray for you. Yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body. What use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is what? It's dead, being by itself. And so do you have a living faith or a fake faith? Do you have a real faith or a dead faith? Generosity is a sign of salvation. We see some testimonies of this in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Here's one in the Old Testament, Jacob. Remember Jacob? He's running from his brother Esau and he comes to Bethel and he, he encounters the living God. He has the vision of the ladder going up to heaven and he, he comes to faith in God. That's what happens to Jacob. So what happens to Jacob? You know one of the first things Jacob does? Genesis 28, verse 22. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. It changes who he is financially when he comes to faith in God. And this is a big deal. You know why? Because money is no longer Jacob's God. And money was his God. How do we know that? Because he was stealing from his brother. Stealing the birthright and stealing the blessing. That's what he was about. Now he's like, God, that's the old Jacob. Not the new Jacob. You've changed me. You've saved me. I vow to give back to you. See, when your heart is truly changed, you give to God question is, has your heart been changed? We not only have Jacob in the Old Testament, we see it with Zacchaeus in the New Testament. You remember that wee little man climbing up in that sycamore tree, that tax collector? He meets the Savior, and his life is changed. He's forgiven. He's saved. What was his first response? Luke 19, Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Lord, behold, behold, Lord, Half of all of my possessions I'll give to the poor, and if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I'll give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. He's saying, it's a true sign that you are saved when God gets a hold of your checkbook. It's a true sign that you are truly saved when God gets a hold of your wallet, your purse. See, things no longer had a hold on that man. God now has a hold on him. When you're truly saved and in a right relationship with God, generosity, it just freely flows. See, when you've been given forgiveness and you've been given salvation and you have been given freedom from sin and you have been given eternity in heaven, you have no problem giving to God. How can, how can you not after all that God has given to you? So, so the question is, are you truly saved? And if you are, then start acting like it. And if you are, start giving like it. See, I put it this way. When God gets a hold of you, God gets a hold of all of you, or God hasn't gotten a hold of you. 
I'll say it again. When, when God gets a hold of you, God gets a hold of all of you, or God hasn't gotten a hold of you. And when God gets a hold of us, people glorify God because he's gotten a hold of us. And that's what we see in verse 13. They start glorifying God for your obedience. They glorify God because of the confession of your faith that's real. And they glorify God for your generosity. Here's the next benefit and blessing of giving generosity. Remember, there's no negative side effects. There's zero negative side effects to giving. None. Here's the next positive. You will be prayed for and dearly loved. Verse 14. While they also by prayer on your behalf yearn for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Man, people just love you. They love generous people. Generous people are sincerely appreciated people. See, see generosity is like this sweet smelling or, or wonderful smelling cologne or perfume. It's just attractive. Do you know what stinginess is? Stinginess stinks. It's spiritual B.O. That, that's what it is. And some of you online, you stink. And some of you here today, you stink. You have the stinginess smell of B.O. all over you. You need to spray on some generosity, man. You need to start wearing the perfume, lady, of generosity. You need to start wearing the cologne of generosity. That's what some of us need to start doing. Generous people are, are also prayed for. Look at verse 14. When giving flows from you, prayers flow to you. When you help people, when you bless people, when you're generous, man, they, they pray for you. Generous people become the reason people pray, the subject of people's prayers. Oh, look at the next one. You're loved in verse 14. They yearn for you. Generous people don't just help people's lives. They touch people's hearts. That's what generous people do. And people fall in love with generous people. They fall in love with givers. And there's a bond that is formed. They love you. You're appreciated. You're prayed for. You're loved. Generous people next are grace-filled people. Look at the end of verse 14. Because of the surpassing grace of God in you. And again, he mentions grace. He mentioned it back in verse 8. He's going to make grace abound to you. Now it's the surpassing grace of God in you. And then it's the grace that flows from you. Do you understand what generous people are? They are full of the grace of God. Why would you not give? Why would you not be generous? There's no bad side effects. There's grace to you and grace in you and grace from you. You just shine with grace. Looked at some of your cars coming in the parking lot this morning. They disgusting. Dirty, salt covered. I have a feeling some of them are more disgusting on the inside than on the outside. You know what it's like to get your car cleaned on the outside and get it detailed on the inside? Oh man, it is awesome. That's grace. That's a grace giver. There's just a shine on the outside. And there's just a shine on the inside. There's grace to you. There's grace in you. There's grace from you. Some of our cars desperately need to be washed. And some of us here today desperately need to start giving. One last benefit and blessing. You'll be like God. Verse 15. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. See, God is our greatest example of generosity, John 3, 16. God so loved this world that he gave, he gave 
his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And we give thanks for that. Give thanks to God for his indescribable gift. See, after receiving God's generosity, can we be anything but thankful? And after receiving God's generosity, can we be anything but generous? God is our greatest example of generosity. God is our greatest motivation for generosity. He says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. What is that? Who is that? That's his gift in a manger. God with us. That's indescribable. That's his gift on a cross. Dying for us. Indescribable. That's his gift of an empty tomb. God raised for us. Indescribable. Indescribable gift. In a manger, God with us. On a cross, dying for us. From a tomb, raised for us. The gift of forgiveness, the gift of victory over sin, the gift of peace that passes understanding, the gift of eternal life in heaven, the gift of resurrection life and glorification. Indescribable gift. You'll sing it in a moment. Behold him there, the risen lamb, my perfect spotless righteousness. The great unchangeable I am, the king of glory and of grace. Indescribable. One with himself. I cannot die. My soul is purchased by his blood. My life is hid with Christ on high, with Christ my Savior and my God. Indescribable. No negative side effects. Only the benefits and blessings of giving generously. What are they? You will experience the superabounding grace of God in your life. Give generously. Your righteousness will endure and continue to increase. Give generously. You will be the reason people thank God. Give generously. You will prove your faith is real. Give generously. You will be prayed for and dearly loved. Give generously. You will be like God. Give generously. Let's pray together. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. As a believer in the Lord, you're online right now at home or in a car you're here in person, would you just talk to the Lord and give him thanks for his indescribable gift? Would you thank him for how generous he has been with you in forgiving you and saving you? Granting you eternal life in his son? Just give him thanks. Would you, child of God, right now, make the commitment you need to make and stand on his promises? Make the commitment to be a generous giver. It's time. You can't afford not to, according to his promises and his word. It's time to do it God's way. Make that commitment. From here on out, God, I will honor you and do it. If you're here today, heads are bowed and eyes are closed, you've not come to faith in Jesus please understand this is not a time for you to give. This is a time for you to receive. There is a God who loves you, who came out of heaven, who died on the cross to forgive you of every single sin you've ever committed. He can do that. Let him save you. Let him forgive you. And you may say, well, how? What? Right now in the quietness of your heart, call out to the Lord sincerely. Just use words like these. Lord, would you please forgive me of all of my sin. 
Would you please save me from all of my sin? Lord, I'm tired of my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for loving me. I place my faith in you to save me. I can't save myself. Lord, I place my faith in you alone. Would you please forgive and save me? And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've been prompted by this message and are in need of a new beginning, or would like more information about Harvest New Beginnings, visit at harvest.church.